Utah has lost a lot of talent since the end of the season, but there's still a lot on the roster. So can they still win the Big 12 in 2024? Let's talk about it. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Locked On Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube and wherever you may get your podcast. If this is your first time listening to our show, make sure you like and subscribe. Love interacting with all of you in the YouTube comments as well as on social media where you can follow our show at Locked On Utes. Today's episode of Locked On Utes is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. You can make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Mindline bet. That's 150 bucks. If your team wins, visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. My name is JT Wistersill, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. Excited to be joined by the host of Locked On Pac-12, Spencer McLaughlin. And Spencer, when talking about can Utah win the Big 12 in 2024? Because, look, Utah has lost some things, and not just some things, major things. When the transfer portal first started, Utah lost a lot of depth and players where you're like, they're not projected starters, so that's not as concerning. But then you get Devon Bailey declaring for the NFL. You're like, okay, that was the best receiver on the team. That That's a concern. Um, and then you get a guy like Mikey Matthews entering the transfer portal. Like, oh, young up-and-coming receiver, also one. Like, that can hurt, but nothing detrimental. Then you lose two, two of the best safeties in the Pac-12. And, and also, I would argue, maybe college football as a whole. So that's a big one. Also lost two offensive linemen. Now one of those off to the senior bowl. The other just off to the NFL. So Utah's lost a lot recently. But as for the question, can they still win the Big 12 in 2024? It's still an emphatic yes for me. Number one, Cam Rising's coming back. And also, there are still so many key players on Utah. This is the players, what's going on at Utah where players transferring out? This is not Texas AM where everyone is leaving or some of these other schools where you have guys in a mass exodus currently going on right now. Utah is still in a good spot. They have key players and contributors on both sides of the ball. I mean, as of the time we're taping this episode, Jonah Ellis is still on this team. Before he got hurt, he was. One of the best defensive ends in college. I feel like he's going NFL though. Then I do as well, but like we're still waiting on this, and he did what he did. So that's where let you know. I just lost uh, both my elite safeties in the past week. Can you let me have this, by the way, (laughs) just starting off? So you can cool it down a little bit, just so you know, buddy, over there. Um, But but this is a position where I do feel like Utah can win the Big Twelve in twenty twenty four, and not even so just because Utah, but also if we want to critique the position as Utah in. We can do the same for a number of these Big 12 teams and a much more detrimental feat at them. Yeah, I, I think that for, for Utah, it, it, it's reliable. Kyle Whittingham is reliable. The culture is reliable. Cameron Rising is, I think, going to play. That's too soon. Yeah, <laughs> it probably is. But you know what? That's why I'm the guest and not the host of this wonderful show. So I, I think that for Utah, looking at the Big 12, I am not worried about them competing, even with all of these losses, because the transfer portal taketh, but the transfer portal will giveth. Remember, this window is open until January 2nd. That's a long time. There are still multiple weeks left for players to go into the portal and move schools. And then there's going to be another transfer portal window. And you've got two national signing days. Why do you have two? Because the people who make college football are really dumb. That's why. But that's a different conversation. So 
You've got two national signing days where you can find some impact true freshmen. Spencer Fano made the, I think it was the PFF All-America team. So. Or All-Freshman team. Yes, All-Freshman yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all, yeah, sorry, All-Freshman, the Freshman All-American team at, at, at PFF. And you're not going to find as many contributors from the recruiting class. That's that's 100% true. You'd know better than me players that can pop who maybe didn't play a lot this year that will get bigger roles next season. But I think that for Utah – there are going to be other options out there. And as they go into the big 12 with cam rising at quarterback, who's your big threat? Yeah. Like, like ask yourself that question. Well, I don't know if you, Utah's lost some talent. Okay. Fair. And you'd like to see him perhaps replace a couple of those spots. You probably need to bring in a quality safety. If Jonah Ellis goes to the NFL, a pass rusher in the portal certainly would not hurt, but has this Utah team, you know, players like money parks and Devon Vele ever been defined by their wide receivers. I, from from an outside perspective, I don't think so. You're going to be better at quarterback than you were this year. And I think quarterbacks make receivers more than receivers make quarterbacks. So I think for the Utes, there are going to be so many foundational pieces in place. I trust them to build an offensive line. I trust them to be good defensively. I know that Cam Rising is good at the quarterbacking thing. So when you yes. put those factors together and look at what the Big 12 is going to be, I'm just – not that concerned about Utah contending. I can't guarantee that they'll win, but I, I don't know how they're not the favorites. Like who's, you know, who's going to challenge them? Like, I mean, like, them, really, and, like, them really, and Arizona are the one and two, right? Wouldn't you agree? Who, them and Arizona? Yeah. I don't know how they're not. Yeah. yeah. Like who do you think was better this year? Oklahoma state or Arizona? It's Arizona by it's a Arizona. mile. That's not, like, that's, that, that's not even close. Who was the better team this year? And Arizona could be even better next year with Fafita coming back at, at quarterback. So I, I think it's just one of those situations where it feels worse right now than it will be by the time the season actually starts next year. And I think that for Utah, they're going to end up being just fine. Absolutely agree. Like you said, the quarterback, how can you not have faith in camp or what he's done and accomplished? And we also just went through a Pac-12 gauntlet where it very much helped to have an experienced veteran quarterback. This transition will very much help you allow Utah to be in a strong position because they have him there. We know the running backs they have are very stout. As you mentioned, lost some offensive linemen, but have other guys returning. We trust Jim Harding to get it done up front. There are receivers you can bring in through the portal. And that once again, as you also mentioned, that's never going to really be the staple of this team. Anyways, defensively, you have so many key guys back. Even if you lose a guy like an Ellis, you still have Van Fillinger and Connor O'Toole, who both looked really good off the edge. Junior Tafuna, it sounds like he's coming back last I checked. That's a huge thing for this Utah team to get. And you get guys like a Zamiya Vaughn coming back at corner, and you still have other safeties who've played. So, and as that's not even mentioning, you mentioned the transfer portal, give it and take it. Last year, Utah got a Leavani Demuni, which was which was really big for them. What did you want to say there, Spencer? On the receiver front, two names to watch for. I know the last former yes, four-star wideout from Oregon didn't work out very well with Micah Pitt but Chris Hudson is in the portal and the other name to watch for is Josh Kelly from Washington state. I don't know how yeah. far across the country Kelly would want to go. Either of those guys could fill that money parks role very, very well. Yeah. I mean, and Utah just needs a number one receiver. I mean, money, I really like money, but it's also like, and that's where it's hard is how much of it was money shortcomings versus not having the quality quarterback play. I think both things were true. So that's where I'm curious to see what Utah does there. But I do want to talk a little bit more about the big 12 piece. Cause as we mentioned, I think Utah and Arizona are the clear favorites. Uh, I have a lot of respect for white Mike, Mike Gundy is built at Oklahoma state, but every single year they have an abysmal loss. 
And yes, they have found themselves into the championship game. But when you have a team like teams like Utah and Arizona in there, I think that's worth mentioning. Baylor and Texas Tech are a mess right now. There's a lot of things going on with both those teams. Um, the other ones we're looking at over there, BYU is not there yet. I actually think an intriguing, interesting one, and I'm not just saying this for clicks. I really am curious to see how the rest of the offseason goes for Colorado because I do believe in Shadur Sanders that much. I think he's that special of a quarterback, and we've seen it. Before, and they got a lot of, like, let's see with this offensive line if they can actually come together. But I do think if they could, they could be another team. I don't think it's crazy that to say that the three best, three best teams in the Big 12 next year could potentially be Pac-12 teams. I don't think I've seen enough from Colorado to indicate that their offseason is going to, or has, has been enough yet. Yes. to fix all the issues they had. They have made changes along the offensive line. That is true. And they have made some upgrades there. You add Jordan Seaton, who's probably going to start as a true freshman, which he's got a lot of potential. Is that goes up. All- and we, you, we already talked about Spencer Fano. There's a reason that you set off freshman team and not another version of that team as well. Right. He had a lot of ups and downs this year. Yes, it, he he absolutely did, and that's what happens with true freshmen at mm-hmm. any position, frankly. Especially so, offensive line. The strength I, that's required, it's so hard. I don't know how much you can rely on a true freshman, even mm-hmm. one as talented as him. Uh, you know, for Oregon, they had the number one offensive tackle in the class of 2022, Josh Connerly, and, you know, Connerly as a freshman was part of a jumbo package. He wasn't a starter because he wasn't good enough to yeah. do that. He started this year. He was solid, but I don't think he's at his full potential yet. Like, offensive line – is the lone old school recruiting position in college football with the portal, where when you recruit a freshman, he's going to pop in year three. He could maybe play a little bit in year one. He's going to be good in year two, and then he'll reach his full potential in year three. That's what most, I think, young offensive linemen are for, you know, uh, college football teams. But I, I, you know, we'll, we'll get back to the big 12 here in just a sec, but for Colorado specifically, they still have to clean things up defensively because they weren't good on that side of the ball either. No, they were not at all. So it is going to be interesting to see what kind of additions they can make. A lot of these other Big 12 teams obviously would like to be in the running for this as well. So we'll see the adjustments they make. And I do want to continue to talk about this, especially the recruiting aspect, as you mentioned, because things do change for Utah recruiting-wise in a new geographical region now in terms of the places and venues they'll be playing in. We have to discuss that, what that means for Utah here in one moment. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. We have the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than two to six player stat projections, and you can just watch those winnings roll in. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the special league, a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, you can do LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points. Point makes now if that was lebron james and Kadarius tony i would stay away from it but we like lebron james and travis kelsey so we'll stay with that one um prize picks offers also a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured for football and basketball games if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return the second the player is rebooted prize picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy you can go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. That is all lowercase, no spaces, locked on college. So once again, go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use that code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. 
Before we talk about the recruiting thing, um, I, you do Locked On Ducks as well, and I just want to say what a season that Jackson Powers Johnson just had, but also uh, the definition yeah. of taking time. I remember covering him my very first year of high school games. I'm even trying to remember if that was – I think it was like 2020 now, 2021. I'm trying to remember exactly the year, but like th- think about how long it took him to get to the player he is now that allows him to declare for the NFL. It is just that reminder that it takes recruiting and just these guys time to develop. But if you stay patient with them, they can be the best interior offensive lineman in college football. Yeah. I, I mean, best center in the country, first Oregon mm-hmm. center to ever win. That's that crazy. Award, the Remington award. Spencer with who he was replacing too. like the expectations were sky high. Yeah, they, they absolutely were. And, and this is a position that has been, a historic one of strength for for Oregon over the years. You talk about Alex Forsyth and how good mm-hmm. he was coming out of Westland High School in Oregon. You talk about Hronis Grasu, who was an all-conference guy. You talk about Jake Hansen, who was, in, in, I believe, a second or third team All-American. You go back to Max Unger, who, has yeah. had, a, who had a phenomenal career in, in the NFL and was really good in college, too. I think that, you know, JPJ just had – you know, uh, an outstanding season, and he he was rewarded for it. He's going to be rewarded for it by uh, getting drafted and getting paid by an NFL team, and deservedly so. And, you know, he's someone who played a little as a true freshman, played more as a sophomore, and then was thrusted into a starting role at the center position, which was kind of a new spot for him. He'd only played a handful of snaps there in his first two years, but he makes that that shift just seamlessly and you know, for him to be named as, as the best in the country at that particular spot is a testament to how good he was. So remember him, Corner Canyon High School protecting Jackson Dart. And now you got guys from Corner Canyon where you have Isaac Wilson coming to Utah this next year. Speaking of recruiting, who is up for Max Plepp's, uh finalist of the year for the season he just threw up there as well. So, uh, you know, Utah a little, they got a couple of good players. Utah does in recruiting. And we saw Utah has been able to capitalize that in the past. Spencer Fano, we already mentioned. Hunter Clegg's on his mission. He'll be another one coming over. Yeah, Mikey Noah Stool just landed him. Oh, hey. was that a sore spot? <laughs> That was so unnecessary. I don't know why yes, I'm in that was. kind of mood today. That was that yes, was, was completely uncalled for, and oh, I got joy out of it anyway. Oh, there's a button I could use to remove you from this stream as well. <laughs> anyway. Um. <laughs> well, I mean, at least you got Panay. So was... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh. Got something. Got, yeah, yeah. wait, wait. wait. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I just want, I'm trying to move on, and you want to keep throwing these things out here at me. Um, anyways, but Utah high school football is good. Look, recruiting is huge in state, but you also win with what you do out of state. Utah found both Brant Keithy and Devin Lloyd outside of Utah, helped both of them develop into the elite college football players they became. We're still waiting to actually see what Brant Keithy's going to do. The longer he waits, the more I get actually curious if he's going to come back, but, uh, we'll continue to wait in limbo on that. But it is interesting. Kyle Winningham has already spoken about with Utah recruiting, that they are going to focus a little less on California, a little more into Texas, which I think does make sense just geographically. I think a lot of these guys who do go on to play college football, I think it's appealing to them to be able to come back home if they, let's say they don't get the offer they were hoping for from a Texas, maybe they wanted to go to the Texas Longhorns or something of that nature, and you don't get that offer there, and instead you still get to play games in the state of Texas if you come to a Utah. Now, yeah, those guys could, of course, go to Texas Tech and Baylor, but if they want to win, then they should come to Utah, at least in the short term, while those programs are still trying to get back up to snuff. But I do think this is smart for Utah to focus a little bit more. You know, obviously some games in Florida now, too, so they'll emphasize Florida, where Tyler Huntley's a guy who came from Florida, Jalen Glover, another player who came out of Florida. So uh, 
this is a Utah team that's done well in the past, recruiting some of the best states in high school football, like a Florida and Texas, but I expect them to pour even more of those resources in. And this Utah team's always done a good job of adding the right type of players that fit their system. I don't think that's going to change. I think they're doing a good job adjusting with the new region they'll be playing in. Yeah, and I think that you know your your ability to recruit in those states is only going to get better as you play more games in those yep. states and kids, you know, maybe see you play against a Texas Tech or a Baylor or a TCU, you know, when when they're younger and then they grow up to be, you know, a, a three, four or five star recruit and they think, oh, I remember watching Utah, man, those guys were were really good. But j- just kind of having that awareness and exposure, that's how you get on recruits radars. That is how you are able to, you know, ultimately uh, land kids is you got to you, you got to be a place that the kids want to go to. How do you do that? They have to know about you, right? And, and you got to have a brand in that sense. And I think that Utah's brand of player development is as strong as any in the entire country for my money. It's certainly as strong as any in in the Big 12. And I think there are some good coaching staffs in, in the Big 12. But, you know, Baylor's down right now. I think Texas Tech is, you know, going to continue to be okay, actually. I know they've had a lot of, of key departures, but I think that Joey McGuire is a good coach. And that they're, I agree you know, a, a solid program over there. But I, I just look at Utah and think, yeah, you, you can, you know, up your recruiting, grab the occasional high four or five star, your Clark Phillips uh, here and there, or, you know, Nate Johnson, even I know he didn't work out the way that Utes fans were perhaps. Four star. <laughs> yeah. I, I know he didn't work out the way Utes fans were, were perhaps hoping for. Yeah, Nate Johnson, but, you're right. uh, yeah. Nate Johnson certainly did not, but I, I think that it's, uh, you know, something that, that can only go up, but if it doesn't go up, you know, recruiting rankings and whatnot, I don't think that's the end of the world because I think that Whittingham, as, as long as he's there, Utah is going to be fine. And yeah, Colorado has got some interest for next year, but they were one and eight in conference play. The, <laughs> like now, now the Pac-12 was the deepest conference in the country, to be fair, but gosh almighty, they were not good. So they still have a lot of room to grow. And Oklahoma State was always overrated. And I think Kansas State with Avery Johnson at quarterback, that's a team to watch for going forward. I think Chris Kleiman is a real solid football coach. But Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State, they're going to be there every year. You know, their ceiling is 11 wins. Their floor is seven. That's what they're going to be every single year. But I don't worry about them in terms of, oh, man, Utah's going to have to get over that hump. Are they going to be able to Yeah, yeah, like it, it, it. It's a team that you know Utah should probably be favored, whether they play in Stillwater or in Salt Lake City. So, you know, I, I think that that out that, that that's what the recruiting picture, at least to me, is for for the Utes. Is like if it goes up higher, great. But if it stays the same, as long as you're not suffering a big drop off and finishing, you know, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth or whatever in the Big Twelve in recruiting, Utah will be just fine. I totally agree. And, you know, even when, look, obviously Witt is eventually going to move on. I still feel like that culture could be in place to, the, with the assistants potentially getting promoted to maintain that level of excellence. It's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. And, uh, you know, Spencer, one thing I think that's really interesting for Utah, too, this isn't even one, something I had in the rundown. I just think it's interesting when you think about it is all these teams have to get used to traveling out to Utah, just playing in that altitude. Now they'll have to do it with Colorado, BYU, and Utah. And I just think that's tough to do. And look, maybe some of these teams can get up to speed and we'll be able to challenge Utah. But I think there's a high probability that we could see that Utah home winning streak 
get really like a number of years again, like it was it was before your Ducks came in and uh, sent that to a screeching halt. But I, I think Utah could be set up to be a powerhouse at home because I don't think people realize, number one, the altitude, and also number two, as Florida Gators fans and a number of other fan bases have learned over the years. Just because Utah doesn't have the biggest in terms of capacity doesn't mean it's not one of the loudest. We've seen that time and time again. It's an extremely difficult place to play. Hence, Bo Nix being the only one recently who was able to go in there and win. The guy who is not phased by you know anything. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he'd seen it all and experienced it all, and he played in SEC environments. So I, I think that he was kind of the perfect quarterback to go in there and, and win that football game because – you know, the greatest advantage that you have at home is the crowd. And, you know, you're just not going to rattle Bo Nix with, with, a, with a crowd like that. But how many quarterbacks like that exist in the Big 12? Avery Johnson hasn't made a bunch of starts. I don't know who Oklahoma State is going to be starting. Like, just, just, just keep going down the list. Shador Sanders has got one year of major college football under his belt, and he's got mixed results. But most of them were very, very good. And I think if his offensive line were good, he'd be even better. I think that that is a big element, and and I think it's you know one of many reasons why uh, as Utah goes into the Big Twelve, why I feel so good about you know their ability to compete year in and year out. Yeah, I I think you're absolutely right. I'm excited to see what this Utah football team can do in the Big Twelve next year. But I also think a lot of people are overreacting when they're saying, "Oh, Utah's in such a bad place. Why is everyone leaving? Look around. It's college football. The transfer portal is insane. Every, every, everybody's got levers. Everybody's yeah. got levers." It's hitchhiking season and full effect for a number of programs, basically. So it, it's going to be crazy to continue to watch and monitor it all. Um, and just speaking of crazy, Tommy DeVito has been this insane story that has taken the NFL <laughs> by storm. And I was thinking about Tommy DeVito, and I thought to myself, why couldn't that be Cam Rising in the near future? That's a crazy t- take. We're going to talk about it a little bit more in a moment. But first, I want to talk to you guys about one of the sponsors of today's episode of Lockdown Utes in our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including the spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Spencer, my betting advice for people this week is to stay away from the Thursday night game, which will have Easton Stick against uh, Aiden O'Connell. Oh, but gosh. outside of avoiding that game at all costs, because you have no idea what could happen there, what's the game you have your eye on potentially this weekend that you think could be interesting? I haven't even checked the NFL schedule. I just I miss college football. I'm ready for bowl games, man. I'm bowl more games. I'm more excited to watch the. What's the first bowl game? I'm, I believe it's Saturday. The 16th is the first is bowl really, game. Is it really that soon? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a sucker for college football, so you know, the like the NFL is good. I'm not I'm well, not the here saying the NFL is all. Recently, I understand that too. Yeah, like the the NFL recently just has not commanded my attention uh, in as great a fashion, and you know, I still watch a lot of the big games, but I feel like there have been so many bad matchups this year, bad the quarterback, quarterback matchups. injuries are insane as well. Yeah, and, Herbert, Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers already went down. Um, we already talked about. Then uh, there's a number of other ones like Daniel, Daniel Jones. I'm not trying to place him in the category, but that's a starting quarterback who got hurt. So it just yeah. Makes well, I wasn't excited about watching Daniel Jones anyway. <laughs> but, but apparently, you know I'm excited about watching Tommy DeVito. Exactly. We're all excited about Tommy. Tommy Cold Cuts. Cold. Tommy Cold Cuts. His agent that looks fake running around out there like that the, guy. The, that that guy. He can't be real. He, he apparently that, is. That and can't I, be what he actually he wears. Fake. 
I wish he was fake because I, after reading more about him, I wish he was fake. Anyways, though, he is an insane story, Tommy DeVito and everything around him. He's a guy who was originally at Illinois in 2017, didn't leave, or excuse me, he was at Syracuse actually from 2017 to 2021, then transferred to Illinois in 2022. So we're talking about a guy who spent a long time in college before making way to his pros. Obviously, age and not the greatest arm talent anyways, you don't see the guy get drafted, but then ends up with the Giants, works his way onto the practice squad, and then one thing leads to another, and you get Daniel Jones getting hurt and Tyrod Taylor getting hurt, and then Danny DeVito gets an opportunity. And I was talking with one of my friends recently. Shout out Carlos. It was uh, recently his birthday this week. And, you know, when talking to Carlos, he said, like, man, Tam Tommy DeVito is an insane story. And I thought he is an insane story. And you know who else could potentially be an insane story in a couple of years? Cam Rising. Because to me, Cam Rising is a winner. If you put him on an NFL field, I'm not saying game in and game out. He is not talented enough to do that. But he is someone in big moments capable of making big plays. And I can absolutely see Cam Rising coming in, whether it's like what we saw Bryson Barnes doing the Rose Bowl two years ago, just one drive, make a couple of crazy throws, or randomly get to start a game in which your defense is the story. And Tommy DeVito didn't even throw for 200 yards, only had one touchdown pass, yet he's all anyone's talking about for the Giants. I think Cam Rising with his... You know, Thick Boy 7, as we like to call him anyways, running around out there, bouncing off of dudes, hair flowing through the air. I could absolutely see a world where two years from now, Cam Rising is on a team as the third string quarterback, maybe even practice string, the fourth string, and a slew of injuries start or something happens. Cam Rising gets an opportunity and wins an NFL team a game. Everyone would have said it was crazy about Tommy DeVito, so I'm saying I think Cam Rising has a chance to do it, Spencer. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I, I agree with you that he's probably going to be, you know, a third or practice squad uh, quarterback yeah. for a team when he gets to the NFL. But I mean, as far as third and practice squad quarterbacks go, why would you not want it to be Cam Rising? Like yeah. he's a veteran guy. I feel like great he'd leader. be great in the locker room. Like mm -hmm. he's going to go put his head down, go to work and try to be the best version of himself and try to get everybody else to be the best version of uh, of themselves as well so i think that for for rising you know his nfl prospects are are minimal but yeah i think that that is, is certainly possible because i remember watching a little bit of tommy devito and i've watched cam rising and i think cam rising is a better player I'm, like, i agree that, with that. That, that's the impression that, I, that i've gotten from the two of them you know having watched their time in in college so i i think that if if devito can do it why not cam rising why why not him as the kids say. Exactly. Um, I remember Tommy DeVito just in terms of, man, Brett Bielema's Illinois team last year was a fun surprise, but I had completely forgotten that Tommy DeVito was the quarterback on said team that surprised a lot of people. And now here he's in the NFL. And like you said, same thing with Cam Rising. He's kind of got this crazy, unlikely story. And he's a guy who won back-to-back -back Pac-12 championships. And I know it can be hard in the Big Ten because Ohio State and Michigan's there too, but it's also not easy in the Pac-12 with some of the formidable programs they have out there. Cam Rising was able to do that. See, Spencer, we're able to agree on something to close out the show. Even after you took shots at Utah for not landing some recruits, <laughs> you had to bring up Jonah Ellis leaving me, which I'm just not in the emotional and the mental state to be able to handle that much departures in my life right now. So I think we ended on a high note. I, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, the correct grammar would be that many departures. Okay. Uh, so I'll end with my grammar shark nature on today's show as you contemplate ever bringing me back onto the podcast again i was just about to see that's what i'm see you're too dang smart because i was literally going to then say thank you all for tuning into spencer's final appearance on locked on <laughs> so then you already took, took the cat out of the bag and said that <laughs> anyways if you guys do want more spencer he does a great job locked on ducks and locked on pack 12 spencer always appreciate you joining us anytime jt appreciate it
That's going to do it for today's edition of Locked On Utes, but we'll be back with you tomorrow talking all things Utah football.